Are you an athlete who would like to maximize your performance to succeed at the top level? Head on over to my website at jacobandre.com and book a free 15-minute discovery call to discover if and how I can help you. G'day and welcome to the Mind Your Body Show, episode number 71. Today, I'm talking to Aaron Motlop. Aaron, how are you? Good, Jacob. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. So one of the things I like to ask is what did we interrupt in your day? We're recording here on a Friday afternoon. What did we interrupt today on this fine Friday Arvo? Um, yeah, a bit of family time, I think, before before the weekend. Um, daughter plays her uh, last soccer game tonight. So, um, yeah, probably just reckon a bit of prep, mate, but that's all good. <laughs> Sorry about that. We'll try and keep it short and sweet. Uh, but I really appreciate your time, so thank you for coming on. Um, one of the questions I do like, like to ask is, how do you mind your body? So this is the Mind Your Body show. What do you do to look after yourself? Uh, yeah, well, I guess I don't practice what I preach anymore. But, um, yeah, obviously I used to um, stay relatively fit in terms of um, going to the gym, going for runs, just being active. And um, as I've gotten older and, and not as active anymore in terms of playing footy, uh, yeah, the workouts have sort of stopped a little bit. But um, I'll still go for my odd runs every now and then just to relieve a bit of stress or, or whatnot. So, um, yeah, not as much anymore, but obviously, you know, it's not just the, the type of activities that you're doing physically. It's, uh, you know, for me, it's the nutrition, it's the hydration, you know, the stuff that you're putting into your body, um, you know, that can have a real impact in, in terms of your, your physical but also your mental health as well. So tell me about the Aaron Motlop story. Where did it all begin? And let's go through and hear how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, well, I was born, I guess, Royal Darwin Hospital on January 16th, uh, 1986. So I think that day was a Thursday, actually. Um, so, yeah, born born there. Uh, father's Mark Motlop. My mother's name, Shirley Cadona, uh, before she got married to, to Dad back in the early 90s. Oh, I didn't uh, realise that. I didn't realise you were um, in the Cadona family. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, mum's uh, one of uh, a very big family. Um, so we've got, uh, yeah, distant um, uh, relatives, I guess, uh, in terms of the Corries, the Davies, uh, the Collins, the Adams. So it's a, it's a very big family. Um, yeah, most people think the models are, are pretty big, but the, my mum's side is um, is just as big. Um, I'm one of four, so I'm the the oldest of, of four. Uh, my brother Jared's three years younger than me. Uh, my brother Maddie's uh, yeah, roughly nine or ten years younger than me, and, and uh, sister Kayla's the youngest uh, as well. So yeah, one of four. Uh, grew up uh, yeah, obviously in Darwin. Uh, went to school at St Paul's Catholic Primary School in uh, Rapid Creek, um, and then yeah, went on to Northcliffe High back then, which was a, a comprehensive school. So um, all the way from eight year eight to year twelve. So what was it like growing up in Darwin? I imagine you played a lot of sport. What was what were the first sports that you got into and what was your memories of those? <laughs> I don't know if I want to uh, relive that, that traumatising moment. <laughs> um, I think the first the first sport that I ever played was rugby league. Um, my dad, uh, obviously, uh, my grandfather was, a, you know, I guess, a, a bit of a champion up here in terms of the rugby league side of things. Uh, my dad had played for, for Nightclub Dragons under him and, um, I would have been seven or eight years old, I reckon, when I played my first sort of rugby game. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure it happened at the old Lud Miller, uh, uh, Lud Miller sort of primary school. They had like a rugby game there. I 
very vague, but I, I remember playing there and all I remember was I was really nervous and, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was obviously, uh, you know, really tiny, so I, I wasn't uh, as confident in my ability as a seven-year-old or eight-year-old as I am sort of today. Uh, but yeah, I remember this time where, I, I, you know, playing rugby, I'm yeah, really scared of tackling kids, especially bigger ones. And I remember there was this kid from, I think it was Litchfield Bears, I reckon he, he ran straight over me. Uh, made me cry, and I reckon that was probably the last game I, I played. Uh, Dad tells it a fair bit. Um, yeah, so it was not funny back then. Uh, I reckon the next time I played rugby, I might have been 15, I think. So it took me a fair while to get over it. So then uh, you went to St Paul's. There's a lot of people who grew up in Darwin that went to St Paul's, a lot of really good sports people. What was it like, sport at St Paul's? Um, yeah, it was, you know... <laughs> It's sort of what you live for, really, to go out and play, play sport at recess and lunchtime, and sometimes before school. Um, you know, with with everybody there. Um, I was pretty lucky that my cousin Shannon and Daniel were, were there as well, as well as um, my cousin Lauren is the same age as me, um, and a couple of other younger siblings there. So it's you know good to go see your cousins and that there, um, along with my brother. Um, but also at the time, you know, Raphael and, and Xavier Clark were there, uh, you know, and a few other people as well. So it was like a really good sort of um, uh, sporting community there because, you know, all these kids that you sort of play sport against or, or with on the weekends, you know, they were at your school. So, uh, yeah, you know, you always want to be on the on the bigger kids' side, you know, when they're playing games because, you know, everyone wants to win. You know, nobody wants to lose in the playground. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty fun times from what I remember. I get the feeling that Holy Family is the new St. Paul's because so my kids played in the um, primary school football comp last year and they go to Wallagi and Wallagi played in the grand final against Holy Family and Holy Family was stacked full of like gun footballers kids and this team was they were just dominated that was so good um, but yeah so and I actually think a lot of them were like St. Mary's kids but um, yeah. so moving on to Nycliffe high school what was that like um yeah look it, it was pretty good um you know i my mum and dad uh, brought a house in uh, matthews road which is right across the road from from sanderson high school but uh, having gone to st paul's primary uh, i was just comfortable i had a few friends and and some uh, sort of people that i was comfortable with that were going to nightclubs and it just sort of made a little bit more sense to me to sort of be comfortable going there than I would have been as a year eight going over to Sanderson, even though it's 20 metres away from my house. Um, I just felt a bit more comfortable going to Nycliffe. Um, so I ended up going there and, and really enjoying my time there. Uh, got involved in a lot more sports than I, I thought I would. Uh, ended up sort of loving to play touch footy uh, during school. Uh, obviously AFL as well, but even you know starting to play a bit of um, indoor soccer at lunchtime and the carnivals that they used to have and then yeah eventually found up the courage to play rugby league again through through rugby league um, school sport so um and also had to go at rugby union as well so yeah really enjoyed my time there uh, you know, i found it a bit challenging as i got older getting into year 11 and 12 about uh, you know trying to make sure i did everything i could to to complete um school and graduate and yeah uh, really fond memories of my time at night so you played a lot of sport. What was your favourite sport of all the sports? Um, to be honest, I, I think I, I love playing touch footy a little bit more than, 
I did play in Aussie rules. Um, you know, obviously my dad is, you know, a, a champion up here in terms of footy, you know, in terms of playing and coaching and his stature that he has up here. Um, and I wasn't quite at that stage maturity-wise where I could thought I could live up to that. That so, um, you know, that status of being, you know, father, son, and, and all that thing. So, uh, I felt sort of felt like touch footy was a bit of an escape for me, where I could go and sort of be my own person. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for those three or four years that I that I played touch. Uh, you know, at a I guess a national level in terms of representing NT. Uh, while still playing, uh, you know, sort of schoolboys for NT with footy and, and NT Thunder, 16s and 18s. But I just found it as a bit of an escape for me to sort of go out and um, really grow and develop. Um, but, yeah, obviously when I got to sort of 16, 17, and I uh, started to become a bit more confident in, in AFL in terms of how I played, how I could um, sort of use my strengths as an advantage. And, uh, yeah, it was sort of around that sort of 16 to 17-year-old mark where it um, – yeah, I started to sort of lean towards my AFL. So what was that like being not only the son of a man who is a legend of Australian rules football up here, but you've got the other side of your family, which are the Cardonas, and then on your dad's side, you've got the Motlops. And I imagine there's a bit of pressure there on both sides in terms of being really good at sport. Um, and so what was it like having... Would you say it was pressure? What what was it like? Yeah, it was. You could probably call it pressure, but um, it was. I guess it was more love from their point of view. Like they, they brought it, you know, sort of knowing that I'm really passionate about uh, the sport I was playing, and that you know they were trying to give me advice and support. But you know, as a, a young adolescent, you know, you're not really ready to hear that type of uh, thing. You know, you just want to go out there and play and really use it as a bit of an escape. Uh, but yeah, I, I sort of wasn't really at that stage where I could take on that that uh, support and feedback. You know, anything that was said to me from my from mum or dad, I would used to just dismiss it. And now it's funny when I you know have my own kids now and trying trying to talk to them, and they're just in the same boat. It's like oh, it's funny how the how the world sort of turned back the other way. And now I'm you know experiencing what my mum and dad and aunties and uncles had to deal with with me. Um, yeah, all those years ago. Are you an Aussie rules footballer who would like to maximise your performance to succeed at the top level? My Australian rules football dynamic group coaching program is a 12-phase program that has been curated from my 15-plus years working as a strength and conditioning coach with local footballers right through to AFLW players at Adelaide and Richmond. To get instant access to my Australian rules football dynamic group coaching program, simply head on over to jacobandre.com forward slash Australian dash rules dash football. So obviously football has been a, Aussie rules football has been a major part of your life and it's given you a lot of opportunities. Where, how old were you when you first started playing footy and at what club and, or was it school? Like whereabouts was it and what was that like? Um, I, I've, my first competitive uh, game of footy, I guess you could say, was under 14s. Uh, my dad was coaching Southern Districts at the time. Um, and I, I was, I think I was probably 11 years old when I played, um, turning 12 in that season, the birthdays in January. Um, my first game, I remember, was going to the old uh, Fanny Bay Oval where Waratah's old home ground was. Um, it's quite surreal going in there and, you know, the, the nerves are just kicking in. Like, as as I think might have been mum or dad that woke me up that day on the Sunday. It was, the butterflies were already going. You know, just the sick feeling in your stomach that you're going out into this 
you know, sort of competitive game. Uh, and yeah, it was it's pretty surreal, obviously being 11 year old playing against 13, 14 year olds. Um, it was uh, yeah, quite a challenge. It was quite daunting actually. But uh, yeah, once you sort of get that first you know, touch of the footy and your first kick or whatever, you know, things just sort of flow on from there. Uh, but yeah, I was I, I think the first couple of years I played under 14s. At districts, it was yeah. You, you're just sort of testing the waters. You know, you're not sure you're playing against these kids like Jason Rowe and Ryan Ayres and yeah, you know, these 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 men in under 14 really because they were yeah you know, they were both massive massive guys. Um, yeah, it was it was quite a quite an interesting experience at a young age. Funny you bring up Ryan Ayres because he was the last interview on the last episode on this podcast. So you yeah. mentioned him being you know bigger. What was it like playing? Against Ryan, who would have been at the time playing for Buffs. Yeah, he, he would dominate. <laughs> yeah, he's like <laughs> at this left foot and he could kick the you know the, the footies you know fifty meters easy. It's like whenever he got a near goal, he was just he was just kicking it long. Um, and same as Jason Rowe as well, and, and a few others. You know, they they were um, you know great players back then, obviously, and then grow up and, and to be you know uh, really good players um, at really high levels. Um, yeah, you know, there's nothing you can do really you know you're, you're sort of half the size of them and there's no way you're going to tackle them there's no way you're going to stop them really you just got to sort of you know let them play and just hope that they miss sometimes it's like that Lichfield Bears guy all over again from it is younger it days. exactly right yeah <laughs> um so so where to from there where to from districts and uh did you continue on through under 16s under 18s the whole way through uh so I stayed at districts until under 16s um my last year of 16s, I stayed at Southern Districts, even though my dad had accepted a job at Wanderers. Um, sort of going back to that old mentality of when I was at school, primary school, going into high school, I, I sort of wanted to stay or go to an environment where I was comfortable and I knew the surroundings. Um, so that was me choosing to stay at Districts because I was more comfortable there. But um, it was a bit of a hard decision, I think, for dad to accept. Um, you know, probably didn't make a lot of sense. Like me, you know, not going to Sanderson, wanting to go to Nightwood. Um, you know, me having to travel 30 minutes out of town to train twice a week um, at Southern Districts at a rival club. Um, I had no ambitions of playing Premier League at that stage. It was more so just playing under 16s and being around sort of my mates. Um, and then, yeah, sort of after that season had finished, um, I sort of that was when I, that changed where I started to sort of be a bit more comfortable playing footy. I sort of understood what my strengths were and, and sort of what the game of footy was. Um, and yeah, you know, the following season sort of made that decision to go over with Dad at, at Wanderers. And so then, did you stay at Wanderers for the rest of the time, or was there any more clubs in between there? Yeah, no, no. So I um, I, I moved to Wanderers as a sixteen-year-old um, and. Um, at the time, when Dad took over, they were really struggling. I think you know, a couple of years before that, they had Dusty Miller coaching, and they you know, have had a period of success in the nineties uh, when Russell Jeffrey and, and the likes were there, and then they had sort of moved on, and the club had really struggled from there. Um, so Dad took over you know, that club at the time, um, coaching, and they'd yet gone winless, I think, for a couple of years. There. So it was really struggling. And when I got there, I'd really wanted to play 18s, but when I sort of started training pre-season with them, you know. With, Guys like Joe Jeffrey and Jamie Scrimgeour and Troy Angel and the likes. It was, you know, a bit of an understanding that all that we're really low on, you know, commitment and talent here. And I could probably play A grade straight away, really, if I committed to it. So, um, 
yeah, got pretty fortunate in the end to uh, you know, take the opportunity in front of me. I think I played maybe 13 games of Premier League that year, uh, back in 2002 or 03. Uh, Dad still denies it, but I reckon I shared a game with him in Premier League at, at that day, um, later in the season. I don't think he actually set foot on the oval, but he definitely had a Guernsey on. Uh, and he might have just been sort of coaching from the grandstand and might have snuck on onto the wing every every couple of minutes or whatever it was. So how old were you when you played your first Premier League game? Uh, 16. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, and so, so, yeah, so that, and you had plenty of representative um, footy as well around that time you would have started, you know, with Thunder, I mentioned Thunder 16s, 18s, or was it straight into yeah. the seniors? Yeah, yeah, no, so it was, um, at the time it was, yeah, Thunder 16s and 18s. Um, so I, um, obviously still doing year 10, 11 and 12 at Nyckel High School. So, um, yeah, completed there, had a couple of years playing Wanderers. Um, that end of that first year of Premier League, I, I had a lot of shoulder problems, uh, which I ended up going for my first operation, uh, a, a reconstruction. So uh, I ended up missing about eight months after that last game of my first season. Uh, so coming back in, I made a decision that obviously confidence was a bit down, first major injury, um, to just play under 18s that year, which I did. Um, sort of kicking myself a little bit because that year uh, my cousin Shannon got delisted from North Melbourne and um, you know, the, the way Wanderers sort of recruited, they had a really strong year that year. I think they come third in the competition. Um, Michael McLean's um, uh, nightclub team, I think, beat him in a prelim by a goal or two. Um, so, you know, it could have been an anything sort of year that year. Um, so, but I ended up staying under 18s and, um, yeah, had a pretty successful year with, with mates and stuff like that. But then the next year, um, yeah, went back in and sort of played pretty much, I think, every game of Premier League in 2004 or 2005. Um, uh, we made a grand final that year. I, I think we lost to St Mary's in the grand final. Um, I've had four goals in the end, but it was sort of that was a bit of a, a, a moment for me where I realised I could play at that level because uh, I ended up winning um, the best and fairest that year in the Premier League, which was sort of the first year that um, the club had made a decision to name the best and fairest after Gus Wangenin, who's obviously a club legend of Wanderers. So, um, yeah, something I'm pretty proud of, the fact that the first one to win it, um, and even though you're know, 18, 19 years of age, and, and to be able to compete and play alongside some champions of of the footy club, um, yeah, something I'm pretty proud of. That's awesome. I didn't realise that. Congratulations. So, well done on being the first Gus Wanganin medalist. Um, so, how long until you won that first premiership at Wanderers? Uh, yeah, it was 2010-11. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a few years after that. So, the, the last year, that year that we made a grand final um, and by... Um, and won the best and fairest. I'd been in talks with North Adelaide at the time because my cousin Shannon, after he got delisted from uh, North Melbourne, um, he had signed to go back to North Adelaide to play in the Sandful, and um, he wanted me to go there with him. And their footy managers thought I'd been speaking to me and my dad. And uh, we ended up uh, talking, and I'd, I'd committed to go. And then I think in February, um, Shannon got. Um, drafted the Melbourne as a sort of a supplementary piece after the tragic news of the Melbourne player passing away. Um, so he didn't play in that grand final that we lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. 
so I'd already gone down to yeah, made a decision to go down to to Adelaide to to try SNFL footy, and um, that was a big eye opener for me, really, like going down and um, training and playing with these SNFL players. You know, it really taught me a lot of you know a lot of things about footy that I didn't realise. Uh, more so around preparation and how to approach footy, and not necessarily all about the two hours that you'd spend on game day. It's everything else that comes in after that, the training habits, the, the preparation, the recovery, um, it all plays a part. So um, I spent four years in Adelaide, which you know, dealt with a lot of um, injuries and the like, and, and really homesickness was probably the biggest thing. Uh, moving away at 19, you know, families all, you know, grew up around family, so that, that's all I, I sort of knew. And being isolated and not next to them, you know, seeing them every night, um, you know, having dad's vermicelli or mum's spaghetti chicken or being around my brothers and sisters or um, cousins, you know, my nana, uh, my pop, yeah, it was really tough for me. So um, made a decision to come back in 2008 um, at the end of the season down there. And my dad, 12 months before that, had decided to go coach Nightcliff. So um, it, I mean, so I had to leave Wanderers, which I didn't really want to do, but he kind of gave me an ultimatum that if I didn't play Wanderers, I couldn't live at home. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no point coming back for that vermicelli then. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I sort of had to put my uh, my Wanderers ambitions on hold for, for a little bit. Uh, and then, yeah, played at Nightclub for, for a year. But then tore my ACL um, in the, the second game for NT Thunder um, in 2009 um, at the Gabba. Um, so that was another setback that I had to sort of experience as well. Um, the fact that it took 12 months out of my sort of footy career and um yeah really frustrating time for me um you know having to go through this 12-month process of rehabilitation and um you know just when i was sort of trying to find my feet as a senior footballer and really um you know understanding what my strengths were like i was saying and, and how i could play the game and how i could really um, influence the game for my team and then yeah having to do my knee in that game um, really sort of set me back psychologically so what brought you back to Wanderers then when you then ultimately won that premiership there in 2010-11? Um, yeah, well, they, the Nightclub Footy Club decided to uh, part ways with my dad um, after his third year, I think it was. And and obviously I'd had 12 months off in his last year at Nightclub. So uh, once they sort of decided to do that, uh, we sort of had no real connection to the club anymore because my dad wasn't coaching. Um, I was playing with my cousin Thomas and his dad was my dad's assistant up remote. Um, he wasn't involved anymore. And, you know, Michael Paul was coaching Wanderers. Shannon was there. Um, you know, cousin Brenton was there. Um, you know, the family was all at, at Wanderers and here we were, you know, still sort of thinking about playing at Nightcliff. Um, so we just made the, the decision to go back to family and, and go back to Wanderers. And, um, you know, and that, that's sort of where it sort of started, I guess. And, um, yeah, made that decision to go there and you know, things just sort of fell into place for us really uh, yeah it was one of the, the great memories that i've had you know i've had a chance to play and, and you know at wanderers to win a premiership that um you know my dad and my uncles never got the chance to to achieve in their careers uh, playing at yeah nightcliff and southern districts and wanderers and buffaloes you know they never got the chance to, to win a premiership so for me and um Thomas and Shannon to be able to achieve that with Uncle Paul at, at Wanderers was, yeah, one of the real highlights of my footy career. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and so 
where to from there? So did it was it am I correct in saying that it was then Andrew Hodges was the next premiership coach? Have you played in two NTFL premierships? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um Hodgie took over in 2014-15. Yeah, so he only he only coached the one year, but yeah, that, that same year that he took over we'd we'd beat St. Mary's again and um and that was, you know, again, you know, probably rivals the first premiership that we'd won because um yeah, nobody sort of gave us a chance and, and you know, it's quite famous, I guess, sort of the fact that we came from fifth spot to to win that premiership. But, you know, a lot of people don't know that we were, you know, sitting seventh, eighth on the ladder after Christmas. Um, that, you know, we, we were able to turn it around quite uh, quite significantly just because of the buy-in that the playing group had um, to, you know, have that kind of belief in each other and, and the coach to, to be able to win those games and, um, you know, famously beat Palmerston in the last round to uh, well, the season and pretty much qualify for the for the fifth spot in the finals. And, yeah, we just got onto a bit of a roll from there. You know, I remember that game. There's a fair backstory to that. So I had been the fitness coach at Wanderers in like a, a year before or whatever. And uh, it what was it because it was two years out. So there was one year, I don't remember which year it was, I was the fitness coach under your uncle Paul and Dean Rioli was an assistant coach. He said to me sometime during the season, look, I'm looking for a head coaching job next year. I love what you do. I want you to come with me. Will you come? So I said, yeah, sure, no worries. He ended up getting the job at Palmerston. So he went to Palmerston for two years. And that was the second year that you're referring to. And so I was obviously working with Palmerston and Wanderers beat Palmerston in that last home and away game to make it into the finals. And there was a whole bunch of stuff with Leroy Jetta, who was flying up that morning to play and whether he should play or not because of the whole drug saga at Essendon. And his manager had said, don't play because you're banned. If you, it looks like all the players are going to get a two-year ban and your ban will start from when your last game was. And for him, it was several weeks before it. So he, his manager said, if you play, you push your ban you know, back further. So I suggest you don't. And he didn't. But the amount of confusion there was before that game was crazy. And I did have, while I, you know, I want to win, I'm a competitive person with it, whatever club that I'm with, there was an element of real happiness. Um, having grown up playing junior football for Wanderers myself, you know, being involved with family through Wanderers and having been the fitness coach there previously, I was, re- I was actually quite happy to see Wanderers make it through and even more happy to see them win the premiership. But what was it that Hodgie did that, allowed you to go from seventh or whatever it was on the ladder, win that last home and away game, make it into the finals and fifth spot, and then make it through the grand final. That, to me, that's probably the greatest premiership win in the history of the NTFL. Yeah, it's a, you know, and I, yeah, 100% agree. I wish we could, you know, I wish Hodgie and myself and, you know, Daniel Motlop and Shane Thorne and the likes, you know, Brad Vassell, you know, we could all put our finger on it. I don't think we can. Um, yeah, it's just a. I think we had an amazing amount of belief within the group. Um, you know that if we, you know, if we played for each other, um, you know, we'd done you know the right things. You know, every contest by contest. Um, you know that never say die attitude that you know Wanderers are pretty renowned for. Um, that we give ourselves a chance to to you know be competitive, but also win those games that we needed to. Um, but it just comes back to that belief, I guess that you know. You know, we, we've always got our backs against the ball and, you know, it was not about, you know, looking for praise or anything like that. You know, we knew that we had it within us. Um, and I think, you know, just like the way Hodgie coached us, that 
period after Christmas uh, really just unlocked everything for us. You know that it's amazing that sort of belief that you get once you you know you're training and you you know you you you're busting your backside off so to speak in a game. You know and you can just you, know, you look at your teammate and you know that they've given everything. You know and you they get small wins here or there. Um, you know and we're getting results on the scoreboard and it's turning into you know wins for us. It's it's amazing what that kind of um, feeling can can do for a team. Yeah, so at the end of that year, Hodgie gets the job at Thunder and decides to leave. He couldn't coach Wanderers anymore. Dean, you know, was very quick to put his application in to go back. And as much as both of us, I know him, I can speak for him here, loved our time at Palmerston, the players that, you know, and I I would definitely say proud of what we were able to do, Um, even though we didn't get into finals. I feel like we improved the club and left it in a better spot, which is always, you know, a good thing and, and probably one of the goals. Uh, to come back to Wanderers, I was really happy to – I remember as soon as he got the job, I was trying to phone him and go, you still want me? And he was like, yeah, mate, bloody <laughs> goat. So I was super excited to come back to Wanderers. Played in two losing grand finals. One of them we lost by – I think it was three points. I could be wrong. could be two. In a final quarter that went for about 20 minutes and 30 seconds because I think there was only 30 seconds yeah. of extra time. <laughs> it was crazy. Can you tell me what that was like for you on the field? Yeah, it was it was yeah, it was a bit of an arm wrestle obviously. Like it was a pretty low scoring grand final. Uh, yeah, I sort of remember that, you know, we sort of thought that we had the game in control, but I'm sure Saints felt the same as well. Um, you know, they, they were obviously a champion team, you know, and, and still to this day, you know, the, the way they approach their footy is, is unbelievable and you know, everyone's still trying to chase that standard. Um, if, if anyone can, you know, model uh, or, or redo that history that they've got, you know, in terms of their success, you know, they'd be pretty happy with themselves. And, you know, for us, we just wanted to challenge and we knew that we could, if we put it up to them and took our opportunities when they come, you know, we, we would be rewarded. And, um, yeah, well, I'm sure we had opportunities as well. I know Saints probably had some opportunities as well. And I guess, you know, the ball bounced their way, luckily. And, um, yeah, obviously, Shannon Real hit that goal with the last... 20 seconds or whatever it was to sort of put them in front. But it was just pretty surreal, you know, going in there thinking it's a pretty tight grand final. You know, like you always want to play a tight grand final, but you want to win them. You definitely don't want to be on the other end of it. Um, yeah, so when he kicked that goal, I was like, okay, well, surely we're going to get another opportunity. You know, like we've just got to make sure we take the, the opportunity. I remember I was forward at the time and, uh, yeah, the ball sort of come in there. It was a bit of a mongrel kick and I'm not sure if it was – Shane Thorne or someone that was sort of leading in that area, but the ball dropped short and, um, yeah, just sort of, you know, before you know it, the sirens go gone and um, it's a pretty, pretty hollow feeling, you know, that you've just yeah. lost a great form to work up points and the ball's in your forward line, you know, like, the, yeah, the bounce of the balls can do, yeah, some pretty unpredictable things. I don't know if you remember this, but before that, grand final which was the first of the two that I was involved in I was walking around talking to players before the game and I walked up to you and shook your hand and said congratulations and your response was don't congratulate me yet the job's not done and I was like oh shit and I just felt really bad like that I'd said that because I thought oh no (laughs) so I think a lot of the players had been in that position before and won a premiership but myself and Dean hadn't and I don't know how much that played into it but certainly after the game losing it 
I felt so guilty. Like that's something that stuck <laughs> with me. And I, now I don't, I'd say when someone says to me, congratulations or whatever, I'm like, nah, don't say that. You can say, well done, I'm getting <laughs> here, but do not ever congratulate you until the job is fully done. So yeah. Thank no, you. I don't that. remember that. Sorry. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. But um, yeah, obviously, you know, you know what it's like once you're in a zone and things, you know, and you're, you're fully focused, um, you know, sort of moments in time don't really uh, stick with you. Uh, yeah, that, that grand final, obviously, is, as iconic as it was, it's a bit of a blur for me. Uh, yeah, I don't really remember. I, I, I don't remember sort of getting in touch with the footy like that's how sort of blurry it is for me is that you don't remember. I, I think I kicked a goal that game, but I, I don't really remember it. Um, if so, my memory yeah. serves me correctly, that goal you're referring to was an absolute clutch goal. I think you were running in maybe about 40, just inside 40 metres out, slight angle. And but I don't know if it was that one, but there was certainly one. And that's one memory that sticks in my head of you is, um, you know, when you talk about a captain's knock, you know, um, the, where the captain stands up, that's, you're someone who comes to mind because your ability to do things under pressure when a team needs it, I think is better than anyone else in the NTFL competition. So well done on that. Not congratulations, well done. But um, <laughs> it kind of reminds me, you remind me of Trent Cochin if I was going to look at an AFL player because you just missed the reliable and so clutch. So m- moving, that obviously served you well in going on to Thunder. What was it like playing with Thunder? Um. Before we go into it, I should let you know the battery's running pretty low at the moment. Okay. <laughs> so I've got six minutes left. All right, we'll start wrapping it up. Um, yeah, you know, that's all good. Um, I've got my phone anyway, which I need to switch over. Well, um, playing for Thunder was amazing. Um, you know, thinking back on my career now, you know, I was pretty lucky to have that opportunity to play at a state league club for NT. Um, you know, and to play with some guys that I would never have the opportunity to play with. You know, I would have never had an opportunity to play with Cameron Island or Philip Wills or Jared Island, um, Jason Rowe, uh, Andrew McLeod. You know, like you, you don't get these opportunities every day. So be, for me to be able to play at um, NT Thunder with these guys that, you know, I'm competing with in the wet season, but in the dry season, yeah, I'm going into battle with them um, was quite special for me. Um, I was never around at the time when they had the NT rep game. So for me, you know, as a local that grew up watching, you know, my dad play, um, you know, Adrian Collard, Brian Stanislaus, Jason Cockatoo, those kind of players play for NT. I really sort of took it upon myself and sort of wore it as a badge of honour whenever I wore the NT colours, like this this is my rep game. Um, it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience for the six or seven years that I played for Thunder, that the fact that I could wear, you know, my territory's colours, um, at a national level um, in a state league competition and play against these teams. Um, and, yeah, something that I'm really proud of. Did you play in that Neffel Premiership? Yeah, so I played in two. I played in the um, 2011 one uh, where we beat Morningside in the first sort of grand final um, and then Ainsley in the second grand final in Alice Springs. Um, and then, yeah, 2015 played the Aspley um, Premiership when Xavier Clark was coach. So we'll start to wrap up a little bit because you've got to go off to soccer anyway. Um, but what's it been like? Let's move into coaching. What's it like? What was the transition like for you moving into coaching? Um, 
I won't, I won't, I won't uh, lie and, and say it's easy. It, it is. It is daunting. Uh, but I guess I've always sort of had my eye on coaching for a while. Obviously, my father's you know coach for you know over 25 years um, in both mainly AFL but also rugby league up here as well. So um, I guess I've probably always had it in the blood. You know, my grandfather coached, my uncles have coached. Um, you know, it was just a natural thing for me. I guess with the I guess the, the unbelievable sort of experiences and opportunities that I've had throughout my career at, at state league in North Adelaide, coming back to NT Thunder. Uh, playing with some champions, like I said, like you know Andrew McLeod, Shannon Modlock, and the likes Daniel Modlock, is that I've got to be able to provide you know some of this experience and knowledge to the next generation coming through, and that's sort of where I'm coming from at the moment. If I could pass on that knowledge to them, it's not about me, you know, trying to steal the spotlight and say that I I taught this player or I got Lloyd Johnson drafted. It's about if I can provide an opportunity for him and pass my knowledge on, well then you know the game of NT footy is going to be in a really good spot if I can play a, you know, a real small part of it. So what's your goal for this upcoming NTFL season? Um, to be honest, just to improve. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a great year last year. I, I know for a fact that we had a really good uh, list in terms of what we put on the field each week. Um, and for whatever reason, it just didn't gel and we didn't we didn't get the results we wanted, um, and you know, obviously the the, op- the opposition were great, you know, and uh, the competition's gone to another level this year, uh, as it has the last couple of years since COVID. Um, you know, and it's a challenge for us as well, you know, me as a coach, but also the playing group to be able to rise to that challenge and, and perform on game days, and um, you know, everything that we do in terms of how we analyse the game, how we prepare for trainings, how we how we perform at training, you know, will then lead into how we perform at game day. So, um, you know, from my point of view, my goal is to make sure that our club and the team in particular improve on, you know, what we did last year, which, you know, obviously wasn't great. But, um, yeah, if we can improve on there, um, yeah, I'll be pretty happy with, with how we go. What are you looking forward to most this season? Uh, just the unknown, you know, you miss the opportunities to run out on the field, you know, as you do now when you get a little bit older, uh, to, yeah, go out there and, and embrace the challenge of beating an opposition and, and now, you know, you're sort of... What's the most overlooked part of running but the most important? Your mechanics. My new course, Running Mechanics 101, is a nine-module course which will teach you how to run more efficiently and effectively. For free, instant access, simply head on over to jacobandre.com.